It's usually important when a person repeats him or herself. It's always important when that person is Jesus himself. Very truly I tell you, do not be afraid. We've heard these phrases from Jesus many times and in all the Gospels. Today we hear Jesus say three times, peace be with you. And in John's gospel, each time Jesus says this, there is a different purpose. The disciples were barely three days removed from the crucifixion and were hiding behind a closed and locked door. The scripture says it was for fear of the Jews. Or could it have been just the fear of that one particular Jew, his name his initials are J.C., whom some of them had betrayed and all of them had deserted. Mary Magdalene had just come from the tomb with the fairly startling and confusing announcement, I have seen the Lord. The men probably looked at her in disbelief, thinking maybe one of her old demons has returned. Suddenly, Jesus is standing among them, Naturally, they must have been shocked and more than a little frightened. Jesus had died on the cross after all. Had he returned to seek revenge? Had he come to chastise them for leaving him? No, not our Jesus. His words, peace be with you, come as a message of relief. In effect, he's saying, look, it's me. I'm not mad at you. Cruelty and death have not won. I'm right here with you now. He showed them his hands and his side, and the rejoicing began. Laughter, backslapping, hugging all around. Peace had come to them all. And then Jesus speaks to them again with the same words, Peace be with you. But this time he uses it to get the disciples' attention. Kind of like when we holler, the Lord be with you, to quiet a group of good Episcopalians. This piece is a preface to his next words. This is a more permanent piece. The last beyond the euphoric rush of relief they were still feeling. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you you imagine the looks that must have passed between the disciples? Did he say he's sending us out there? Because they now know what that sending actually means. It ended in Jesus' death, after all. But Jesus knew that the disciples must be at peace with each other because they would be sent out together. There could be no more, well, I get to sit at his right hand, or I'm the one Jesus loves the best, or you will never wash me, Lord. Jesus knew these men well. He had seen their arrogance from time to time, their impetuosity, their thick-headedness. And he knew they were going to need some help to continue his work. So Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This moment is sometimes referred to as the Johannine Pentecost. 
That verb for breathe in the Greek is emphaseo. And is only found a couple of other times in the Bible. Way back in Genesis 2, when God breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And then in Ezekiel 37, when God said, prophesy to the breath, mortal. Thus says the Lord God, breathe upon these slain that they may live. The breath that comes to us in the form of the Holy Spirit is the gift of life. Now while all of this has been happening, Thomas was gone. No one knows where, but he was not there with the others. When he did return, Jesus was gone. But his brothers tell Thomas, just as Mary had told them, we have seen the Lord. Not surprisingly, Thomas didn't believe them. How could they have seen the Lord? The Lord died on the cross last week. We know that happened. Mary must have been mistaken. She's just an overly emotional woman anyway. I cannot have missed the most important event ever. So Thomas got mad and probably doubtful of the disciples' truthfulness. I've always felt Thomas got a bad rap for this. Thomas doesn't show us that he doubted Jesus, and we'll see proof of that in just a moment. Thomas doubted his brothers. And, therefore, the disciples were probably a little miffed at Thomas for not taking their word for it. But to Thomas's credit, He didn't leave the group again. He stayed with them. It's a good thing. Jesus returns, seemingly just for Thomas. And again, Jesus offers yet another, peace be with you. This time, it's an appeal for reconciliation. It's as if Jesus was saying, I'm sorry I missed you, Thomas. Let go of this conflict between you and your brothers. And then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. We don't know today whether Thomas actually took advantage of Jesus' offer. The scripture doesn't tell. What we do know is that Jesus met Thomas right where he was. Just as Jesus does with us all. Instantly, Thomas's fears and anger are vanished. and He acclaimed Jesus as my Lord and my God. Not even Peter had yet realized that little piece of Christology. Thomas forgot that he had told his brothers, unless I see the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas had received Jesus' peace. He had taken it into his heart. We can do that too. By receiving Jesus' peace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the disciples are now ready to go out and work as Jesus had done for the inclusion of the ostracized, the love of enemies, the end of injustice for the oppressed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have those same gifts from Jesus, even though we didn't see him during his lifetime here on earth. We have his same blessing from that day so long ago. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Just as he breathed on his disciples so long ago, Jesus sends us that same advocate, the Holy Spirit, to comfort us when we are weak, when we have doubts, when we are afraid, even when we need a little prodding. He sends us peace. You know, the kind that passes all understanding. To strengthen us as we face this increasingly frightening world. The pathway to our own wholeness, our own wholeness, begins with peace in Christ Jesus. We have to find our own peace in Christ and then share it. If we can hold that precious peace in our hearts and remember that Christ prayed for us and blessed us and died so that we might live, then we can have new life go out to do the work he has given us to do. But Jesus' kind of peacemaking isn't easy. It's hard, sometimes dangerous work. But it is good work. It is the best work one can do. It is work that brings the outcast and the marginalized back into the fold. Black and white and brown and yellow gay and straight and transgender and non-binary, Christian and Muslim and Jew and atheist, living together in real peace. Can you even imagine it? John Lennon was right. Imagine all the people living life in peace.